0: This episode is brought to you by DistroKid. Hey gang, welcome to a special holiday episode of Krista Makes a Podcast. Today's guest is my old buddy Joe Escalante, bassist for the Orange County, California punk band, The Vandals. In honor of the holidays, we chose to discuss one of The Vandals' most popular songs, Oi to the World. Taken from the band's Christmas album of the same name, Oi to the World was originally released in 1996 on their own label, Kung Fu Records. A year later, the song was propelled to enormous heights when No Doubt recorded a cover version of the song for a Christmas album compilation. This coupled with a music video for the song introduced Oi to the World to a whole new audience, many of whom went on to trace the song's origin back to the vandals. Joe tells the inspiration behind the lyrics and how at first glance they have some racial stereotypes attached to them, but ultimately the true meaning behind the song is unity. He also shared a humorous story about relinquishing his publishing royalties of the song to charity, how he was conflicted at first, but ultimately felt it was the right thing to do. For all this and much more, stay tuned.
1: Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast.
0: Hey, hey, have you heard? lots of uh fond memories of the vandals i was a a fan before i ever met you guys and then uh I'll just never forget uh, some great memories. I was just telling uh, our producer, Chris, before we hopped on here, just uh, a tour we did in in Italy and uh, just some of Warren's shenanigans every night has had me in tears. You guys are a lot of fun. And this song uh, that uh, we're picking, this is a a, a little holiday special on uh, Krista Makes a Podcast. Uh, We're going to talk about Oi to the World, which is uh, from the Vandals' uh, Christmas album uh, called Oi to the World. And... I want to talk about this there's you know before we get into the song there's there's kind of a great story here joe because typically not that i can remember prior to 96 i don't recall any punk bands really doing a christmas album of course it's been done over the years since then most recently i can think of bad religion did a christmas album but what was the what was the idea behind this
2: well there was a christmas album that was uh, recorded by an english punk band called the boys in the 70s and um, that what they did is they they, they called themselves the Yobs, which is the boys backwards, and they released this you know because the boys were so they had to protect their uh, their reputation I guess I don't know so they 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 call themselves the Yobs and they put out a Christmas record which I say is the closest thing to ours because that's what we that's the only thing we knew we should make a Christmas record the Yobs made one and one of the songs on our Christmas album is is a Yobs cover so there's a song called Christmas that spells out Christmas. It misspells it, but C-H-R-I-S-T-M-A-S. Um, it leaves out the R um, for some reason. Oh, no. It leaves out uh, something. I forgot. Uh, the H? No, the H is... just. It's all disgusting stuff. So it's, it has a different feel than the rest <laughs> of our songs because it's real filth. Ours... Uh, the rest of the songs have some cuss words except for the song we're going to talk about today. But, but it was... It's a lot of a filthier, you know, punk rock record, but we covered that what that one song because we thought it was great, and we thought, well, why not, you know, do in the punk rock world the closest thing to a traditional Christmas song would be something from the Yobbs album. You can't find that record anywhere, and we have a heck of a time trying to even pay these guys, the Mechanicals. You know, you can't <laughs> you, you can't find them. You can't every once in a while you'll get a lead on it, and I think we've sent out some checks and no one cashes them, and.
0: Yeah, very very few times in this business do people not want money. That's kind of kind of unheard of.
2: <laughs> yeah, but but there's you know with bands like just yeah you know, they move around so much and then they you can't find them and, and and but very few labels will will even try to look for them. But you know the label uh, that we owned, um, we would I mean, of course we we would try to find them and and we would send out a check to every single you know every single penny you know was accounted for. So but those guys, there's a couple bands. There's a couple people like that. They're really hard to find. Well, and, like
0: and, and the Vandals. You guys started your, uh, you, you know, you started your label, Kung Fu Records in 1996. This record uh, came out uh, on that, and you know, this is one of the quintessential Vandal songs. I mean, this song has legs too. Uh, in 1997, uh, No Doubt covered the song uh, for a compilation album called A Very Special Christmas, uh, and Warren uh, produced that version uh, uh, with No Doubt.
1: And he
0: Yeah, which which of course gave this song even more exposure. Uh, and uh, every year since the album's release, uh, you guys have played a winter formal in Anaheim where you play the album in its entirety, uh, which, yes. is re- which is really cool. And uh, how, how did that start?
2: Uh, well, when we first decided to make the record, we thought it started turning out pretty good. We go, I think we should play these live. They're, they're, these are pretty good songs. And for most of us, it's probably our favorite record. That we have, and and you know, it was all recorded in August uh, of '96, which is really hard to get into the Christmas uh, mindset. But, <laughs> I was you know, gonna say <laughs> people people have to, you know, August in in Southern California, it was weird. But uh, at a certain point, we started thinking we could play these songs, and then you start dreaming and like, okay, let's have a Christmas show every year. Oingo Boingo had a Halloween show every year and it turned into like 6 7 nights at the Irvine Meadows Amphitheater which is like a you know like a shed with 20,000 capacity. Yeah. So that's where we were uh setting our sights was on about, you know, 60 to 80,000 in ticket sales every year uh for this big Christmas thing we're going to have. Never quite made it there, but 24 years later the last one we played, you know, a sold out 1900 person show at the at the House of Blues which for us is is a, is a big deal? Never. If you would have told me, you know, when when we first started playing that that we would be playing a, a House of Blues, first of all, it wasn't it didn't exist then. But yeah. let's let's say the House of Blues just got built, and you told me you're going to sell out this House of Blues, but a bigger version they're going to build in Anaheim. Um, with I wouldn't have believed it at all. And so um, now yeah, every year, it, it, you know, we can't do we're not big enough to do multiple nights. But we sell that thing out, you know, uh, maybe a week in advance, and and it's a, and people look forward to it, and we get lots of cards and letters. People just saying, "I've been to you know every one, or I've been to I got proposed, I got you know engaged at one." Yeah, it's been our big gag. It's like our one gag that we have is Christmas.
0: Yeah, well, and and uh, tw- twenty four years in, you've you've given people a lot to look forward to. It's uh, and that's something to be proud of. Nineteen hundred uh, tickets is, is nothing to sneeze at. For, so so good for you guys. Um, you know this this song. It, it's funny you talked about recording it in in uh, August, <laughs> California, yeah. which is not a very Christmas feeling time of the year out there. And this song though I've seen it played probably every month of the year, seeing you guys around the world, warp Tours, and yeah, it's not a Christmas album, it's a Christmas-themed song, but this song just fits comfortably right into the rest of the tunes in the set, and the audience goes completely mental for it. It's great.
2: Yeah, it kind of became uh, somewhat of a, a closer, uh, almost. We have, I'd say our most popular song in terms of downloads and all that stuff is, is called My Girlfriend's Dead from mm-hmm. our Hitler, Bad, Vandals, Good album, which was also... A ninety-six or ninety-eight, there was ninety-seven. Some of that 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 era, maybe ninety-seven or ninety-eight. And that was so we have that one song that is kind of like the one you always play last. But the backup hit to keep when the set starts sagging, and then you play Oi to the World. It's like a go-to secondary hit that you have. And then when we play the the, the Christmas show, it's the closer. Yeah, and it fits in. Because I guess luck, but there was, you know, we're making a Christmas record and it's got to be punk. I don't know. I mean, if you want to get into the songwriting, I don't know when you want to like talk. About well, yeah,
0: that. no, I I do want to talk about. it. I just wanted to give a little uh, backstory here of because it, it's pretty pretty cool. Like I said, there's not wasn't too many bands. Uh, uh, granted, the Yobs, I guess, were doing it in the seventies, but prior to you yeah. guys, I could I couldn't really think of uh, anybody doing a Christmas album. So I think that that I just wanted to bring that up. That was really cool. Yeah,
2: we well, nobody nobody. I think you're right. The the the, the Yobs thing was very obscure, and and we were also looking for to do something that. We didn't think other people had done and we just started our own label. We knew that if we were if we took this idea to any other label, they would say, uh, you know, I don't know if I want to pay for that. You know, yeah. like a label just but for our label, you know, and then when you're doing it yourself, you're looking at the at the at the cost like very cheap, you know, because you owe, you're controlling every expense. Maybe we yeah. spent, you know, twelve hundred dollars in studio time or something like that to make the whole record.
0: Well, because you guys were putting your records out with Nitro. So this was kind of a separate thing, and you went ahead and yeah. did it. Like, like you said, you yeah. didn't know if anybody else was interested in doing it. So uh, you And know, they the didn't whole... care.
2: They, they didn't care. It was a way to tell Nitro, hey, do you mind if we do this on our own label? Because we had a deal with Nitro. We had like a four-record deal.
0: Yeah, which is very cool. Uh, getting into this song now, this song is... <laughs> Very intriguing to me for a number of reasons. And I get it now. And I never knew the Yobbs reference. Uh, you know, Dave uh, Quackenbush, uh, the, the singer of the Vandals, he's singing in a faux British accent for this song. And all the lyrics, if I would have you know, analyze this song in 1996, I wouldn't have gotten it just based on the fact that I hadn't been to England yet. And uh-huh. I know, I know all the references in here that just kill me. I love them. And I, I, I so want to talk about them. Um, the, the song is two minutes and 16 seconds. It is a, just a, a straight up burner, uh, punker tune. Uh, the intro Uh, Comes in Uh, about three quarters through the intro, uh, the joy to the world melody is kind of played on the guitar with 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 the chords. Yeah, Uh, you know, it kind of gives a little hint of of Mm joy to the world, joy to the world, Uh, and then we get into to the first verse, which I, I. I am so fascinated by these, and I could not wait to ask you about these lyrics. So I kind of like typed it in online. What does this song mean? I could, you know, you know, you get down the Google wormhole. Uh, but let's go into the first verse here. The, the lyrics are: Haji was a punk, just like any other boy, and he never had no trouble till he started up his Oi band. Safe in the garage or singing in the tub till Haji went too far, and he plugged in at the pub. I love how boy in the first uh, uh, line rhymes with oi, but you get banned in real quick, because, <laughs> so, set up this first verse. What was going through your mind when, you, is this a poem or something you had written and you put to music, or was this, you You thought of the music and the, uh, the lyrics at the same time, uh, and do you um, remember where you were when you wrote it?
2: Yeah, I do. I was, uh, what was happening, it was Warren, at that time, and when Warren, um, uh, when the in the early uh years of this band, I wrote a lot more of the music and a lot more of the lyrics. But over time, I think it's a natural thing. I'm I'm about uh five years older than Warren. And I think just as you get older, you you know, you start to burn out. And then here's a younger blood coming in, Warren, an amazingly talented guitarist. The first record that he plays with us, he doesn't write that much. You know, he writes a lot, but but he's kind of deferring and letting everybody else he's kind of feeling his way through the thing. Then and he's so comfortable now. I think I might have been still be working at CBS Television or I just started the label and I was just like so consumed in the the mechanics of the label and the business of the label. I was getting even, you know, further away from writing a lot of material. And so he's writing this thing and he's writing everything. You know, here's how you co-write with Warren. You go over there and you work on something. With him, and then you go, okay, that's cool. Let's work on that tomorrow. The next day you come back, and he's written that entire song and three more. And then you're like, oh, okay. Uh, and then pretty soon he's written the whole album. Now at the end of the album, he usually says, "I'm kind of tapped out. I need help. Who's got something?" So that's why it was here. He goes, "I'm I'm tapped out. Who's got something?" And I go, "Well, I'm working on this song because um, first I had the title. I just thought the title would would make a good title for this album, anyways. And then I go, well, we got it. It'd be nice to have a song." Um, with that, with that title, so started with that, and then I also thought this is, uh, and when I'm listening to the stuff of Warren's writing, it's very um, heavy and um, bitter, and they're you know violent and harsh, and there's cuss words everywhere, and it's like f you Christmas kind of thing. I love Christmas, but f you Christmas, you know, it's kind of I love Christmas. <laughs> f, f the commercial nature of Christmas, but who doesn't love getting presents, you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, it was all going that one direction. And then for me, I was like, well, I think there should be a song about a Christmas miracle, and it should go back to the original, you know, the origin of Christmas of Jesus Christ. And uh, although it's not, you know, we don't want to proselytize, I can't, you know, in a band with, you know, punk rock band, even though I am a Catholic and, um, you know, practicing Catholic, devout, but I and I thought there should be that. I don't know if I can make it work though. And I'm fine if it's not there because that's not what the, the purpose of the Vandals. So I'm fine <laughs> if it's not there. That is, is not you know no. the Vandals is not gonna you know win anyone over to the Catholic Church. But <laughs> but if I could get inspired by my faith, uh, it, that maybe that's the inspiration that could that could uh, crank out a song to compete with this, these songs that Warren is doing that are like you know just little mini masterpieces. These things he's coming up with. So I, I worked on that and I go, we need a Christmas miracle. And then um, then I thought, you know, of and I thought it would be fun to have an oi song because we, well, we have to. We have an oi to the world is the thing, but, you know, we don't have any oi songs, but we have to have an oi song. Um, so oi, the topic of oi, I thought the miracle would be getting, a um, would be getting, you know, racist skinheads and non-racist uh, skinheads to come together for a Christmas miracle. I mean, that would be, you know, it seems obvious to me. So we started with a hero and the hero is Haji. And you can, and to me, I just, I just try to imagine a, a, a boy in England who, who loves, uh, Oi, but he's Indian. And, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, and not all the Oi bands are racist, but, um, some of them are. And, you know, and then you're talking about a society, a working class society where they're not exactly, it's not exactly the, the PC, um, bastion, uh, that it's just not. And then he, so, so he's got trouble and, but he loves it, but then he goes too far and he, and he starts to think, maybe I'll start a band and I'm going to get out there. And he doesn't know uh, uh, what he's in for.
0: Well, I just, it, I, I'm i fascinated. I love this story. You know, you were talking about <laughs> Catholicism a moment ago and, and what Warren brings this crazy punk and, and nasty energy of these songs. And then I look at these lyrics and I'm trying to, Put all this together and I I kind of get it but this is such a cool story with a lot of imagery here and it's just really intriguing and cool to me that you were able just to write this as a story and come up with this you know it was uh, it, it's cool Thank getting you. into this I want I want to get into to uh, the part two of the first verse it says it uh, okay. was a cold Christmas Eve when Trevor and the skins uh, and for my listeners this is referring to to skinheads popped in for a pint and to Nick a bag of crisps. Uh, Nick in England means steel. Uh, Crisp uh, refers to what we in the U.S. here call chips. Yeah. Um, They call uh, French fries chips in the U.K. Uh, Trevor liked the music but not the unity. He unwound Haji's turban and he knocked him to his knees. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> so I, mean, I forget these lyrics i'm like you're bringing, you're singing back to me and i'm like what did i do tonight? oh wow really is that where i went um, well
0: even weirder i'm talking them back to you and you're hearing them and i've had a lot of people on the show say I-, I never had my lyrics recited back to me uh by voice you know not not by singing yeah. uh so set set this second part part of the verse up if you can
2: yeah so i also to go back to the first thing um and now that i'm looking at the lyrics uh Haji was a punk just like any other boy and and then boy and rhymes with oi band. So to me that was like <laughs> and I I kind of always wanted to do that kind of thing boy and I uh, never had any trouble until he saw up as oi band. So that's a, that's a rhyme. Okay, so safe in the garage. You know, so you can imagine a band practicing in the in their in their garage and they call it a garage, you know. Which I
0: didn't point out. Thank you for pointing that out. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
2: And and just so you know, we're from uh, Orange County where you sing your punk band sings in an English accent. I mean that's that's what <laughs> yeah. we do. Yeah. Uh, uh, and that's just what we do. So you start there and you might be able to make your own style, but you start with an English accent if you listen to um, like you know the early TSOL mm-hmm. uh, adolescence. TSOL that is 100% their first EP is 100% English accent. Oh, Property yeah. is theft. Where do I fit in the form of power? Where do I fit in this government? I have no choice in the world war three. You're the victim. That's freaking crass, you know. Yeah. And and that's our leader basically in Orange County is Jack Grisham. Yeah. Uh, telling us how to do what we need to do, you know. And so um, we're not going to argue with that. And, um,
0: well, no, and I mean, again, this song completely lends itself yeah. to having an English accent, just due to the lyrics and and the inspiration behind yeah. it. You know, and we
2: are, just... and we already, yeah, we already had the English accents. And the, I remember the first day that I started singing, because I used to be the drummer, so I started singing. I I moved to the uh, bass, and then the first day, the singer goes Quackenbush goes. Uh, both you two, me and the guitar player, were singing some backups, and I had never <laughs> sang in a microphone before. But I go, well, I guess I'm you know, near one. I'm going to sing in it. And he goes, okay. You both sound like um, Republicans who just got out of a, a like a, a John Birch <laughs> Society meeting or something. Um, uh, and then it's like, oh, okay. So, um, and then it, from then I go, okay, English accent. All right, got it, English accent. So even though, when I do backups right now, I'm usually um, uh, it, it doing them in an English accent. Gotcha, gotcha. So this fit in pretty well. Uh, safe in the garage, singing in the tub, and then you know, because you know, we all sing in the shower, um, and we're great, and we think we're great. So that's where he gets his uh, uh, confidence up, and then he gets to he gets too uh, confident. He plugs in, you know. So it's uh, maybe it's open mic night down at the pub, I guess, and then it's a. Uh, um, but he's playing on Christmas Eve. Now think about this: you got a gig on Christmas Eve. I call that a turd, a turd night. Yeah, like if so, it, 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 let's say you're um,
0: not a great night.
2: Yeah, your bass player comes up to you and says, "Hey, Chris, I got us a show. They're they're offering us Christmas Eve. My, I'm, I play in a Morrissey tribute band, and so it's a to- <laughs> and, and, and and these guys come to me with stuff like uh, all the time. They go, "Hey, this guy said uh, the guy at uh, House of Blues said we can play January 1st. And then and the singer goes, "January first? Whoa, New Year's Day at House of Blues? Wow, that's awesome! What an honor!" And I go, "Whoa, guys, that's a turd night."
0: Yeah, they, that's the they, worst thing possible.
2: They can't. I mean, you know, I know, but these guys are like all stoked that they're gonna they're gonna bring in the new year on January first. Wow, uh, wh- yeah. what a, what a wonderful thing! And so I think Christmas Eve is a turd night, and that's all. Um, that's all when you know that he, he look. You can play on Christmas Eve uh, when no one's gonna be here.
3: Yeah. So he's
2: so I, I imagine that's you know I mean it's an underdog story. So he's that's what he gets, and the uh, Trevor and the Skins come in you know cuz they're uh they're just they're degenerates and they they are not going to be with their family where they should be um, and they're going to get a pint and you can't steal a pint
0: no no but you can steal a pack of crisps
2: a oh, pack yeah. of chips right yeah. they're just hanging on the thing there that's that's pretty <laughs> that's pretty
0: easy to do the pint's right. a little tougher
2: yeah 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 <laughs> so um and then the music of course he's like you know they're probably sitting there like ah oh, someone's got it right and then, uh, you know, you can imagine um, the, all the songs about unity that uh, Haji's singing because, you know, he's got to – that's where you go with if you're an Indian playing in an oi band. and Because unity is a big thing in, in, in oi as it is in a lot of punk. And so, you, you know, that's just a buzzword, I guess. So he would be – every other word would be unity. It's kind of like Spanish rock where every other word is uh, corazón. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, the, in here, it's unity, unity this, unity that. So then, um, yeah, but you know, he's they, these racists aren't going to take that, so they go up, uh, and he, I guess, Trevor, uh, un, and this is pretty um, uh, racist and uh, stereo, you know, enforcing stereotypes as if Haji would have a turban on, and I guess he does in this version of uh, this, uh, <laughs> this version of the story. So he unwinds it and um, uh, and, and knocks him to his knees. Uh, I guess because um, knees rhymes with unity. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it,
0: it, it, it works in this instance. I probably would never rhyme <laughs> unity with knees, but in this instance, it works. All right, so now we're going to get into uh, to the first chorus. Um, if God came down on Christmas Day, I know exactly what he'd say. He'd say, oi to the punks and oi to the skins, but oi to the world and everybody wins. Catchy as hell. Talk about that.
2: Yeah, so here we are. Um, I mean, that's the big chorus, and this is the message of the song. What if God came back, came down on Christmas Day? And he'd have a different message, you know, for every single person because he's infinite. But to these people, what's their main issue that's keeping them from living a righteous life? And it is their—we might call it today—the systemic racism uh, against uh, the, you know, South Asian uh, immigrants, which, which, which is, you know, in this place, you know, this guy's making an effort, and and they all have this thing to to, to bond themselves together, which is Oi music, which is awesome. Music, you know, that I love and I have a lot of OI uh, albums and um, I would say that it's it's a music that. Um,
0: well, yeah, I was gonna say, how, how would you describe uh, to, to our listeners, Joe, who may not know OI? How would you describe it in, in a sentence or two?
2: Working class, cockney, punk rock. And so these. OK, there you go. That's what, that's what it is. And um, then there's also the funny comedy, wacky OI of the toy dolls. Mm-hmm. So if, if I was going to describe one band that the Vandals are, you know, who are we looking up to and trying to emulate? It's the Toy Dolls. And that's an oi band. But mm-hmm. we don't write oi songs. But our, our aesthetic is more like the, the, the Toy Dolls than any other other band out there. So, okay, so oi. Um, yeah, so I think God would be saying to these people. And now he instead of saying, you know, it's, now it's getting into the joy to the world pun, I guess it is. So it's joy to the world. Because what does God say to on Christmas Day? He says joy to the world. Mm-hmm. and he, he's preaching joy to the world, he's going to preach here, he's going to preach oi to the world, and oi to the punks, and oi to the skins, and I maybe, you know, there are some divisions between, you know, skins and punks, and sometimes you can get into these different um, nuances of the different uh, punk scenes, but it's kind of just a way of saying oi is for everybody. Yeah, and, and it's, uh, saying, it's
0: saying it's oi to the world, and everybody wins, which is the right. unifying part of the lyric.
2: Yeah, and it's but even though it might, uh, you might you might have some differences. In the end, the unity will overcome those differences, and and everybody wins. It's a winner.
0: It's awesome. And the the chorus goes through once, and we're right into verse two. It goes right into it. Uh, Haji was a bloody mess. <laughs> he ran out through the crowd. He said, "We'll meet again. We are bloody, but not unbowed." Trevor called his bluff and told him where to meet Christmas Day on the roof down at twenty Oxford Street. <laughs> and for those who've ever been to England there's an Oxford Street in every single town
2: good because I I didn't even know that I just was thinking of Oxford (laughs) Street like the main one and I'll I'll get to a story about that in a second but here also um, I think the best songs uh, in the punk world and ones that I try to write have a little tell a little story and then at the end get really violent (laughs) it's like (laughs) it's just you know at the end just someone's getting beat uh, and then in the in my favorite country songs, like there's a guy named Porter Wagner is my favorite all time country artist. The end chorus is usually in a in a jail cell, you know. Uh-huh. And then a, and then a padre comes to read the guy his last rites because he's going to the you know the hanging tree or whatever. Those are the kind of country songs I like. I like to write punk songs that, that end in violence. So here is the violence. You know, we're going to have a battle, uh, and and the battle is gonna is, is set up. You know, they got caught off guard. And I'm imagining there's, uh, you know, other uh, South Asians in his band or not. I don't know. But, uh, you know, he insulted the whole band. So um, they will meet again. And um, and then Trevor says, I'll tell you where to meet Christmas Day on the roof down at 20 Oxford Street. Now, to me, I, when I hear English people, they, they say the number like that, like... Like 20 Oxford Street. Sounds like something an English person would say when they're talking about their address. And mm-hmm. then in in the United States, you get these really hideous addresses like 12661 Silver Fox Road, which is a street <laughs> I grew up on. I'm like, why do I need those many letters when these people have cool addresses like 20 Oxford Street? But um and then that's I got away with this for a long time. And I think I even looked at a map and I said, Is that a number that might exist there? And I think I I looked at the map and I go yeah, I liked how twenty sounded. I like how it sounded. I looked at a map, but I think I, I think it is an it is an address. And I'm so I picture it's a dress. Maybe it has a building, you know, uh, I mean it has a it has a a rooftop or something. But what was pointed out to me by Rat Scabies uh, from the Damned uh, when the record came out, who played on one of these songs? no such thing as 20 Oxford Street. And he was so uh, just <laughs> insulted by yeah. it and just said, "That's let me tell you how wrong, that's wrong on so many levels. You know, there isn't one because of this factor and that factor in this urban area. Oh, it's just awful, just terrible. Which really, really meant that he was jealous of the song, I think, uh, <laughs> when it came down to
0: it. Looking to elevate your music career? DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that enables musicians to distribute their music to online stores and streaming platforms such as Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Tidal, and many more. DistroKid collects earnings and payments, sending them to you, the artist. With DistroKid, artists unlock a world of possibilities. From easily paying collaborators with splits to securing your music with DistroLock, DistroKid covers all bases. Plus, you can promote your releases with HyperFollow and create eye-catching visuals with the Spotify Canvas Generator, all for free. But that's not all. Introducing the DistroKid app, now available on iOS and Android. Artists can manage their releases, view streaming stats, and withdraw earnings, all from the palm of their hand. And for those looking to perfect their sound, check out Mixia with its simple interface and customizable mastering options Artists can make their music sound polished and professional within minutes. And don't forget about Instant Share, DistroKid's newest feature. Share large files securely with collaborators, producers, and more, ensuring your music streams at the highest quality. Ready to take your music to the next level? Download the DistroKid app and explore their suite of tools today. Plus, listeners can enjoy 30% off their first year by visiting distrokid.com slash VIP slash Demakes. That's distrokid.com slash VIP slash Demakes. It probably was, you know, and I'm probably going to get uh, hit up by my, by my uh, English listeners about saying that Oxford Street's in every city, which, you know, that's a blanket uh, generalization that's not necessarily true, but you know, it's the because the Oxford
2: English st- just can't think of enough streets, so they just, you know, <laughs> and, 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 and so they, you know, they're just using that one over and over.
0: We get right into Chorus 2, uh, which is the same lyric as Chorus 1, if God came down on Christmas Day, I know exactly what he'd say. He'd say, oi to the punks and oi to the skins, but oi to the world and everybody wins. And then there's the the first what i call the relief part of the song joe where, there, mm-hmm. where there's no there's no um vocals it's an instrumental part but at this part and i want to know whose idea this was christmas bells all of a sudden start to come in Who's, whose yes. idea was that do you remember
2: well, that's our producer Warren. Uh, you know, and, and let me tell you something about Warren. When I brought this song to Warren, I said, "Look, this is what I got," and I give it to him. And he does like a producer, like the in the in the in the songwriting uh, type of producer. He takes that song, and he says, "Why don't you do this?" and "Why don't you do that?" And in in a like in a cutthroat world, you know, it's like the people are, like change, uh, change a word, take a third. You know, um, I don't know yeah. if you've ever heard. Of it. No, I um, have, and and, and, what, and
0: what that means, what that means is you've written a whole page of lyrics, and all of a sudden a producer comes in and goes, "Hey, make that and a butt," and he'll take one third of the publishing money on that song.
2: Yeah. So in the real world, Warren would have taken the, uh, some of the publishing money from this song because he he rearranged it and he and he fixed it up and he polished it, but he didn't. And probably one of the reasons why, because we have a good publishing arrangement where everybody shares in the publishing anyway. So if you wrote the song, you get half. Uh, right away, and if you didn't write the song, you 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 get half, and then um, no, you get you get a uh, your your share of the other half. Mm-hmm. So he he knows he's getting he's getting his, his money anyway. So he produced the crap out of this uh, song, and the, like like he does with everything. So he's he's in the studio, you know, doing all those kinds of tricks, and I'm not even around when when that happens.
0: Do you remember hearing the bells for the first time? Did you think it was cool or
2: loved it? The guy's a wizard, you know, and it's not real bells. It's a it's a sequencer, the um, patch, and everything. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, oh, you know, I'm just in my mind. I'm picturing the people with robes shaking their bells. Sure. At the, at the Christmas pageant.
0: And now the bells go through uh, until the end of the song, but we get into the bridge now. And uh, the bells are continuing here. Uh, and, I, and this is where it gets just funny to me. On the roof with the nunchucks, Trevor broke a lot of bones. But Haji had a sword like the guy on Indiana Jones. And I want to talk about that. In the no-doubt version, they say in Indiana Jones. Because that's kind of what you would say. Like the guy in Indiana Jones. But in Indiana. In, in seems weird. Do you remember consciously having the on there? Or was it ever yeah. in?
2: You yeah, did? Because, yeah, yes. Because Because honestly, of what I said? No, because... Um, it just sounds stupid, like it's more sh- street, like that guy on Indiana Jones, like ah, like you don't like it. Look, guy, Indiana Jones isn't a TV show; it's a movie. So it's right in Indiana, in Indiana Jones, and in Indiana Jones doesn't sound right for a couple other reasons. That guy in Indiana Jones
0: in in yeah
2: in in doesn't sound right. And then when I thought, well, I could say on, I go, but on is wrong. I go, but. That's kind of how people with a, with that don't have a, a great command of the English language speak. The guy on well, Indiana we, Jones. It's a wrong it, thing to say, and it's awesome.
0: It, yeah, it, you know, for, for a punk song, it works perfectly. Do you remember ever talking to uh, Warren? Of course, uh, Warren produced, Warren Fitzgerald produced the No Doubt uh, version of this song on that Christmas compilation. Do you ever remember talking to Warren of why Gwen sang in Indiana Jones versus on? And did you even know she did? On the with the nunch-
2: I didn't even remember. I didn't notice it, but yeah. it's now. It, thanks for pointing it out because it's not gonna. Um, I am going to ask him about that because. Um, but I, I would imagine <laughs> I, I like that they. It might have been. A,
0: it might have been a mistake. You might have just thought that's what it was.
2: I, I know. I'll bet. I'll bet they just thought that we were stupid, and um, they were going to correct <laughs> us. And <laughs> I, I think they just thought it was more proper. And it's fine for them because when they do it, it's a it's a commercial hit. And if they didn't get how cool it was to say on Indiana Jones. Their their audience certainly wouldn't. You yeah, know, their audience would be like interesting.
0: And that's a good point. You would say like that's the guy on Hill Street Blues or some shit. Yeah. you know, if, if, <laughs> if it was a TV show, you wouldn't yeah, say yeah. on if he's a movie star or in yeah. a movie.
2: That's a guy. Uh, yeah, that's a guy on the on that's a guy on the Dallas Cowboys. So that's got yeah just, something you just rattle off. That's a guy on Indiana Jones. That's, that's yeah. It. Okay. Um, um, so and I, so I thought I, I thought. It would, it would sound better, and I just think it's, it's fun, and I'm, I'm, I love re- reliving this because these are like the nuances that no one ever notices or gets to talk about it. so this is really fun. I oh, th- th-
0: th- thanks, Joan. This is a lot of fun for me, and I want to reread those two lyrics, uh, two, two lines, because I want to read the whole bridge in one context here. Okay. Uh, on, on the roof of the nunchucks, Trevor broke a lot of bones, but Haji had a sword like the guy on Indiana Jones. Police sirens wailing a bloody dying man. Haji was alone and abandoned by his band. Trevor was there fading and still so full of hate when the skins left him there and went down the fire escape. Oi oi. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's hilarious.
0: It doesn't have as much power just saying oi oi as it does oi oi. Yeah. You
2: know. <laughs> yeah. But I mean I mean, yeah, you, I mean you just dream about the audience joining you with a big oi oi and and we and it's one of the, the bright spots of the of the set. Every every you know, and you can see like, is this our crowd or not? And then when the oys come up, you go, okay, we have some people here. You
0: know? Yeah. Yeah. And do you, remember
2: are these, the is, it, is this, are these all less than Jake fans again? I'm sick of this. And then, <laughs> then you get a little bit of that. Oh, there's some of it. We have some fans here.
0: We got a few pockets over there up in the wings. Yeah. Uh, do you, do you recall? I want to, before we go on uh, uh, to the last chorus here or to the, to the, to the next verse, excuse me. Uh, do you recall the first time you played this in England and what the reaction was?
2: I remember playing it. Uh, do we? You know, we added it to the set, so we didn't play any Christmas music. We didn't ever do any Christmas shows uh, in England. You know, all our Christmas shows have been on the West Coast, and now they're just only in Anaheim.
0: Well, I just mean in general when you played the song over in the yeah. UK. Yeah, and what, so we what,
2: went over the, and then at some point we go, we should play the song every time. Yeah. So we added it to the set, and they just played it, and I'm sure. Uh, Dave would just speak in an English accent right before in, in, <laughs> introducing it and everything and just saying, you guys are, you know, kind of sarcastically saying, you know, you guys are going to love this and you're going to get this. Um, I think the ois, the OIS came up and everything was good. and um, But I was dying to talk to people about it and do press about it and stuff like that. And that doesn't really happen like we're doing now. You know, no one's going to... All I got was uh, Rat Scabies, one of the, you know... Uh, icons of the British punk scene from the Damned, uh, telling me I was an idiot. So, um, <laughs> but he was
0: jealous, though. He was jealous. <laughs> I think so.
2: I, th- I think it was his compliment. He was yeah. complimenting me. He's like, "Oh, okay, I gotta say." Yeah, something.
0: Yeah, it's the old, it's the old English backhand. I've had those. Yes. Yeah, yeah. They so, mean uh, it as a compliment, but it's a Yeah,
2: I don't remember the, the the I don't remember the exact moment, but I remember thinking, kind of, we are we, getting away with it. Was the more feeling like it's
0: okay. You know. um, we we go into a third. A third verse after this bridge comes right in and down. But then Haji saw the North Star shining more than ever. So he made a tourniquet from his turban, saving Trevor. They rappelled down the roof with the rest of the turban and went back to the pub where they bought each other bourbon. So, so, so they're <laughs> turban and bourbon. They are uh they're, they're, They become buddies in the third verse. Okay. Yeah, I mean- we're, 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 to the world. we're uniting here.
2: Yeah, I mean and, and it got really bad. It got really bloody. It got it got terrible, you know. Yeah. Um uh I mean there's the the guys about about to die. Um you know he's well, going to die. The, if if he's left there he's going to die.
0: Well, here's this guy full of hate, this racist And his buddies
2: head. left him there.
0: Yeah, his buddies left him, and yeah. and the one the one who saves him is is the object of his hate. It's Haji, yeah, yeah. and he and he he saves him by by making a, a tourniquet from his turban, that, um, yeah. and then they went back to the pub where they brought e- bought each other bourbon. So yeah. they're gonna they're gonna now they're gonna party, uh, yeah. which um, I know a, a lot of folks in Indian culture don't drink, so that's an interesting take on that line as well.
2: Oh, this is this guy is is uh, you know, the sad story is is the um. The abandoning of his his ethnic uh, identity. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, yeah, yeah. That's He's, that's kind of what kind of what I was that, getting at. <laughs> I mean, if you want to talk to his parent, Haji's parents, they're not they're, they're 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 repulsed by all of this. It's no, it's they're shaming the family. He, they he, they, he, they,
0: <laughs> they weren't happy from lyric one, Joe. No, they weren't it, happy from no. there. We get into the last chorus, which is a double chorus here. It's the same uh, uh, as the first two choruses, but it's doubled. Uh, the bells are still going here uh, through the song. I'm just going to read it once, but it is doubled. Uh, if God came down on Christmas Day, I know exactly what he'd say. He'd say, oi to the punks and oi to the skins, but oi to the world and everybody wins. And uh, at the very end uh, of the song, it ends with, oi, oi, and the song's over. the
1: yeah. world
0: And... You know, saying oi is kind of like saying hey at a show. It's just, I could just you can just see, and I've seen you guys play this, fists in the air, and it's just such a sing-along song. 24 years ago when you guys came up with this, did, did you think for a second that this would be one uh, of the songs that you're, you're most known for and uh, one of the songs that you'd be talking about 24 years later? Like this.
2: Well, when No Doubt decided to cover it, then we knew it would have a life because not only did they cover it they made a video of it so mm-hmm. they bas- they basically and they released a single i mean they had a hit so it was. they ha- they had a hit with the song and it still gets played you know and then you become the guy that's getting the christmas you know uh, royalty checks every year where they bump up a little bit um but so when i to me i thought it would fade out but when they said they were going to well they took the whole album and they said we we were on tour with them and they were invited to do the Very Special Christmas Volume 3 or whatever, which is mm-hmm. like a big thing that donates to Special Olympics. Um, and they were invited to be on the – because they were at the top of their game. And they're going to oh, be yeah. on this thing, you know, like with U2 and these, this caliber of, of band. But they didn't have time to write anything. They were just too, you know, busy. And so they thought, let's get one from the Vandals album. Yeah. And they, and, and, and they listened to it all. And they were horrified at the cussing and all that stuff. And they couldn't use any of them, but there was one song that didn't have cussing. So they said, um, they said, asked if they could use that song. And I'm like, yes, yes, winner. Oh, yes, yes. This. <laughs> <laughs> so when they were going to do it, I had to tell you, they were the, one of the biggest bands in the world at that time, and they were going to do this song. So I thought it would do amazing things, you know, for yeah, me. Yeah, and I,
0: and, and I believe Tony, a uh, bass player of No Doubt, is, is Indian, so they, they couldn't have been too offended by the lyrical content.
2: He just thought it was amazing. Yeah, he just thought it was hilarious, you know. Yeah. And he, you know, because these are his worlds too. This is Oi and Ska and 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 Indians. So I think he he related to it, you know, even though there was a lot of stereotypes in it and stuff like that. Uh, he related to it. He loved it. Picked up on it. Said this is the song. And then they filmed the video in India. Wow! They, they flew to India and they made the video in India. So if you look on YouTube um, and you look for Oi to the World by No Doubt. The the video is shot in, in on the streets of Bombay or well, I don't even know what city it's in but um, um, my doctor is Doctor Bombay so sometimes that's the first thing that I that came to my mind <laughs> um, so uh, yeah and then at that point I go wait a second they're recording it and they're making a video they didn't have to make a video because it was you know the, the Special Olympics all the money's donated to the Special Olympics that was another thing uh, that was uh, uh, fortuitous and and you know um, unfortunate at the same time, is I go, wow, they're going to record this thing. They sell millions. I'm going to get a payday. The All the vandals are going to get a payday. Um, and then I get a call from Bobby Shriver who's the um, the son of Bobby Kennedy and he, uh, the Kennedys started the Special Olympics and okay. he sa- and he says, he calls me and says, hey, Bobby Shriver. And I knew exactly who he was because his dad was Sergeant Shriver. He was the uh, vice presidential, uh, the running mate of uh, McGovern. Uh, okay. In ni- 1972, he lost to Richard Nixon. So I knew these names. They were historical figures. So, um, Sergeant Shriver was was his dad's name. Oh, no, I guess his mom's, yeah, his mom's Eunice Kennedy and her dad's, I don't know, they're all Kennedys. He says, Hey, this is Kennedy. You know, I'm like, Oh, crap. Uh, Bobby Shriver's on the phone. And then he says, I run the Special Olympics and I handle all these albums. And we want to ask you. You don't have to, but um, can you donate all your royalties that are going to be generated from this uh, thing to the Special Olympics? Because, you know, Bono's doing it and Bruce Springsteen or whatever, who are all these people? I don't remember who the people are in it.
0: Yeah, because they have $10 billion.
2: Yes, that's what's going through my mind. I'm like, of course they're going to do it. This was my one, you know, this was, this was my one chance to make a, a cent off of punk rock. I was going to say how do you make money in punk rock especially then? Yeah. I mean, you know what? Yeah, I like where's uh, uh yeah, yes. I'd be glad to Bobby Shriver, And um yeah, so I you know, I told my mom I go good news is this thing's going to sell millions. The bad news is um you're not getting any of it. But I used <laughs> to be a special Olympics coach, a basketball coach, and so I had an affinity towards the organization uh who doesn't like Camelot and yeah. um so of course i said yes and i thought you know there, there there'll be some other ancillary uh benefits down the line they're going to make um uh, you know uh, as a songwriter i got i get some some recognition uh as people are appreciating it it's going out to a wide world this is this is what i will will be mo- most exposure of my songwriting career is is right here and yeah. this is this is how it, it'll never uh, you know, nothing will ever match this, and I'm very grateful that it happened. So, yeah, I was happy to to do that. And then I got another bonus was, like, hey, you ought to come by to my house. We're having a Christmas party. And so I got to go to Bobby Shriver's uh, house and his Christmas party. And then we got along pretty good on the phone and stuff like that. And I we went there and met Eunice Kennedy and uh, Sergeant Shriver. I got my picture taken with Sergeant Shriver, who's a historical figure. And then, you know, people like uh, – uh yeah, there were like movie stars there and stuff like that. But –
0: well, and I and I can I can say that uh, it was good it was good karma what you did and it's uh, for sure followed you through your career and good 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 for you.
2: Yeah, I, I, I'm very proud of it. And you know all that money would have been spent on you know hookers and blow anyway. So <laughs> <coughs>
0: at least you could admit it, Joe. Not many yeah. can.
2: <laughs>
0: all right, Joe. So uh, anything you'd like to let the listeners know? Uh, uh, plug away right now. Anything? Uh, just you personally, or, or coming up with the Vandals? What do you got?
2: Oh, thank you. I got two things actually. So, uh, quickly, the Vandal's twenty-fifth annual Christmas show will take place, and it is taking place direct from Santa's Village in the San Bernardino Mountains, you know, right here above Los Angeles, and it'll be a streaming show. So it's going to be and, and anybody all over, for the first time, and, and people all over the world will be able to watch the Vandal's uh, annual Christmas show, and you will get. And so, if you go to the Vandal's Facebook page. Uh, or our Instagram, you'll figure out how to buy tickets, and it'll be the same show that we do every year. And awesome. And
0: that'll, and that'll be five days from now on yeah. the 19th of December, December.
2: 19th it starts, and then you can kind of watch it for a couple days. And then awesome. let, me, let me get to my day job, which it requires some promotion. I'm the executive producer of a television program called Monsters Across America, and it's on a streaming uh, platform called Fox Nations. So I uh, I'm super proud of it. So I always want people to uh, go there, and you know you can buy the ninety nine cents free sample of Fox Nation and watch Monsters Across America. And if you don't like Fox Nation, you can cancel. But guess what? I think. <laughs> but if you're like my sister, you'll never be able to cancel because you can't figure it out. <laughs> but it's gotcha. a, it's like a it's like a paranormal travel show, okay? Um, uh, hosted by a woman named Casey McDonald, and there's six episodes, uh, and um, it's it's you know it's what I do. Uh, I've always been working in TV in some capacity, and now I'm all in. And uh, uh, I'm the showrunner, I directed the episodes, wrote them, and they're all like a mini "Away to the World" uh, in a, in a half hour format.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, I, I can't wait to check that out. Monsters Across America, make sure that, uh, that you, the list, you, the listeners, do check that out. And Joe, thank you so much for, for taking the time. I wish I could I could uh, shake your hand now, give you a hug in person, but this is the next best thing. Next. I'm, I'm glad uh, glad I got to spend the last hour with you. Thank you so much.
2: Well, thank you. This has been great. I mean, this is like a, I mean, wow. I mean, for someone to, to pick out something you're proud of and pick it apart like this and celebrate it. It's. I can't think of a better way to spend an hour So thank you guys
4: Hi, I'm Daniela Clark I'm Barbara Ann Wild And we are The Honest AF Show Our
0: podcast is real honest conversation With our celebrity friends and pros Covering our anything but average rock and roll lifestyles All while tackling the hell
1: that is aging And the battle of beauty Oh yeah, nothing is off the table The
0: Honest AF Show is available wherever you get your podcasts
1: the end of the show here's a band you might not
0: know welcome to this week's band you might not know if you'd like your band to be considered for Krista makes a podcast all you have to do is submit your song and bio to band not know at gmail.com today's featured band is gene the werewolf from pittsburgh pennsylvania i love these guys this song is killer you can find their music on all streaming platforms here's a snippet of their song i should have known better
3: Rap with Chris and Chris.
5: So that was really fun to hear the story behind Oi to the World. I came to you and said, Hey, we need to do some sort of holiday episode. What is a Christmas song that we could talk about that is from the punk rock world? Oh, wait a minute. Let's do the only song that I think about as being the Christmas song from the punk rock world, which is Oi to the World. And do you just happen to be friends with the guy who wrote it? So that's pretty sweet, man. Yeah,
0: no. I think you—you seemed surprised when I told you. I know Joe. I'll just—I'll uh, hit him up. I'm sure he'd do it. And he was—he uh, was very happy to—to to be on the show. And uh, it was a lot of fun. You know, staring at these lyrics. I've heard this song a million times, but to actually sit and analyze this one was—was was very strange. And like I said, I knew that there was this English component to it with just the way Dave and the faux English accent to—to to all the references in here, from nicking the bag of crisps. Uh, you know, just the the, the character uh, line and the whole thing. I don't know. It just was kind of where did he come up with this? And it was really really cool for him to tell the story.
5: I thought it was cool that he was very self aware of like, oh yeah, this was sort of a stereotype I put in this song and whatever. And I actually never really paid it paid attention to the story too much. I don't think. I think it was the story went over my head a little bit, or or I just sang along to the chorus or something. It wasn't paying attention to the verses. But then hearing you guys talk about the story in the verses, and I knew there was going to be a really happy ending to it. Uh, But the third verse, I, I won't lie, when you read those lyrics and you guys are talking about, it. I was like, Oh, that gave me chills. That was like a really nice ending to a punk rock holiday classic. And I, I didn't even realize really that that was the story.
0: Yeah, no, me either. And like I said, when I, when I went back and reread these lyrics, I was like, what is going on here? It was just so <laughs> much, so much, so much to talk about. I'm glad we could, we could fit it in within the context of the show. And cause uh, you know, Joe's Joe's a talker. I'm a talker. And uh, it was just, it was really cool to hear him, hear him tell the story and just, just be appreciative of, of everything that, that is, Uh, Transpired with the song that no doubt Covering it on that Christmas album which just gave The song just a whole other life I mean they were massive in 1997 That was right before the release Of their uh, well would have been their I guess their third record but their second major Label record uh, well maybe their third Return to Saturn which was the the, Another big album after Tragic Kingdom I mean they were just all over the map and for Them to to take on this song and cover it Was was a
5: was a huge uh, Huge thing for the Vandals Right, and I thought it was really funny when he told this story about how he's like, "That's it, we're finally gonna, finally gonna make some money from this. <laughs> finally, write a song, and then he got the call. I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. this is all gonna go to charity, but that's yeah. cool. That's cool the, though. The, 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 the guy,
0: you know, the guy's name dropping Bono and, and Springsteen. These guys that you know, uh, you know, have 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 money by the millions, and uh, asking Joe if he can, you know, give his uh his portion to charity. He, he was very very humble about it. I thought,
5: yeah. And I think joe's done all right i mean runs kung fu records the vandals are a successful ba- successful band and also i think that he's done well with you know as a television producer and, and a lot of other fields the guy seems to have his hands in a lot of different things and he has been a uh Successful dude at a lot of things, so I think.
0: Well, that, you know, in, in talking about stereotypes, Joe's probably the last person you would peg to be in a punk band. He just is. He's just so unassuming. And I remember first meeting him because I'd listened to, I, I, i said in the episode, I'd listened to the Vandals before I ever met those guys, and it was what an interesting band, just their the four personalities, and and just to talk to Joe and be like, you're in the Vandals. I was just perplexed by it when I first met him, and I mean that in a, in, in a great way.
5: I didn't <laughs> I didn't know he was like a devout Catholic guy. It's funny, like between the time that <laughs> that you're. Coming conversation ended and we did this rap I went and googled him and like looked him up and I, I saw some like really interesting things like he teaches catechism and he uh, and oh another interesting thing was he ran for some sort of public office and uh, I don't think he didn't win but uh, Shepard Ferry did his his poster, and that was the first political poster he had done since the famous, iconic Barack Obama one, was a Joe Escalante poster, and I thought that was pretty cool too. Oh, so, that's
0: really that's really cool. And I don't know if you know uh, a little tidbit that uh, Shepard Fairey uh, did one of the illustrations for our anthem record. I did know so that. We, that's so yeah, that's so, we, so cool, man. Yeah, we have some history with with Shepherd Fairy. That's really cool. I did not know that. Uh, yeah, Joe was just he he was great, and he's he's what I refer to as a lifer. He's been doing this forever, and he just has uh, has great stories for days. And I'm really glad you suggested this, Chris, because uh, it was it was a great episode.
5: Yeah, man, I gotta take some credit for this one. <laughs> I was like, we got we got to do Oi to the world, man. And then when I listened to you guys talk to each other, he. He made me laugh so many times during that, <laughs> just uh, just so many moments I was sitting here listening and laughing. So yeah, I'm really glad I did that. And I really liked that he talked about how fun of a conversation that was, and I think I've heard a lot of people say that, not always on the mic during the conversation, but the fact that artists get to come on here and talk about a song they've written in detail like even that little detail about saying on indiana jones instead of in indiana jones like that's a little detail that i that joe escalante has never talked to anybody about that before and i yeah, can tell i could tell that he was having fun talking about things like that
0: yeah, it was funny. I, I had asked him, I said, did you know Gwen sang, you know, uh, in instead of on? He says, no, I never even knew that. Yeah.
5: <laughs> I love when you tell people things about their songs <laughs> and then then they realize that and they're like, oh, damn, that's true. So, yeah, man. Good job. <laughs> And speaking of good
0: jobs, Chris, I want to thank all the listeners for their generous contributions uh, to this month's fundraiser. Keep abreast. Uh, if you can spare anything, please go to Uh, It's a wonderful organization uh, bringing awareness to breast cancer research. So thanks to everybody uh, who's been able to donate so far. And if you have anything to spare, uh, please help us out.
5: Yeah, man, the Keep A Breast Foundation is an awesome organization. And anyone who could donate, yeah, head over to ChrisToMakesADifference.com. And, yes, as you said, it's the holidays, Chris. And if anyone's looking for a last-minute gift for Family member, a friend, or for themselves. Sometimes you got to treat yourself. Chris, this week I treated myself (laughs) to a pair of Holiday Air Max Nike shoes that went on sale. I went and bought them uh, at 10 a.m. on the Nike website. I was like, I got to treat myself. I never buy myself new shoes or clothes or anything like that, really. So I had to treat myself. So maybe some people out there want to treat themselves to uh, to a gift and you could tell them about a few well the producer's a high roller it sounds like to me yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) i didn't know you got a new pair of uh new pair of shoes chris that's awesome and yes uh there's a couple things that uh could be last minute holiday gifts one of them is the brand new less than jake record silver linings that is out now uh we're super proud of this record i think uh if you're a fan of the band or if you're not a fan of the band i really think you're gonna gonna like this record we put a A lot of heart and soul into it. It's really killer. As well as my first ever book, is out now blast from the past you can go to Chris makes a book.com all kinds of stuff there I got a calendar uh, uh, t-shirts uh, and music I uh, released my first single blast from the past uh, which is uh, obviously the title of the book and the second single uh, is out now this is uh, based around one of my characters uh, that I used to dress up back in the day called Seth and uh, <laughs> the song is absolutely ridiculous so we're gonna leave you with this song uh, this is all-american
3: Of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley This is the story of Prince
4: It's a new podcast series
3: About how they died, why they died And why we're still talking about them so long after
4: It's like nothing you've ever heard before
3: It's storytelling
4: But it's more than that because rock stars
3: They tell us how we feel